0: Hi, my name is Ruth Friedman, and welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we're going to be talking about Parsha Tetzaveh, which gives us the instructions for making the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, of the high priest. And we are going to be speaking specifically about the role of the Urim Vitumim. So now I'm looking in Shmot in Exodus chapter 28. And the verses tell us in in verse 15 that we are supposed to make a choshen mishpat, um, which translates to the breastplate of judgment. And what it is, is it is something that goes on the front of the Kohen Gadol and mounted in it are 12 stones. Each is a unique kind of stone. And each stone is engraved with one of the names of the sons of Israel. So four rows of three stones, each engraved with a name. And. And later on in verse 29, we're told that Aharon will carry the names of the sons of Israel on the Choshen Mishpat over his heart. And then in 30, Vinatata el Choshen ha Mishpat et ha'urim And inside the Choshen Mishpat, you shall place the Urim and the Tumim. Now, we're not told beforehand what the Urim and the Tumim are. And so the question I wanted to consider today is. Well, what are the Urim, the As the commentators note, the way that it is phrased, the Et Ha to Urim and mim implies that this is something that already existed because it's the Urim and the Tumim. There's no instruction to build it. It just says it seems like something that existed already and you're supposed to put it into this Choshemesh, but into the breastplate. And so the clues that we have for the mafarshim to construct their own explanations of what these are are both the language, understanding the words. What do what does urim and what do tumim mean, and then the role that they play within the Tanakh. So first we will look at the Ibn Ezra. So he takes it in one direction. He was an astronomer in addition to being a rabbi. And he says that the Urim and the Tumim represent the, the uh, astrological signs of different hemispheres. And this is all one big complicated secret that no one could possibly understand. But that this all is a directly corresponds to um, astrology. That's the Ibn Ezra. Sorry, I'm a little sick, so I may sound a little bit off this week. Rashi goes in a totally different direction and says, you know, this has nothing to do with astrology. That actually, with the Urim Batumim War, was a piece of parchment with the Tetragrammaton, the Yudke Vavke, the name of God inscribed on it. And it was placed inside the Khoshen. That the Khoshen, actually, if you look carefully at the instructions for this breastplate, there are two layers which means that there was room to tuck something in between. And so he says they would tuck that name of God written on that in between. And then um, the presence of those names would cause the stones to light up. That's the word or in Urim. And then also fulfill them, which is Tamim. Tamim um, understood here to come from the word Tam, which means um, complete, like Shalim. So really, you know, it, it seems to kind of be an opposition, total opposite to Ibn Ezra, who says, no, this is all about astrology, and Rashi's saying, no, this is all about God. The Ramban um, goes into a lot more detail. So first, he quotes Ibn Ezra and just says, you're a total show-off and you're ridiculous, which I, I, I appreciate. Um, and so he, he rejects the Ibn Ezra, and then he quotes Rashi, and he gives more explanation to Rashi. So he's playing off of the words again of urim betumim, of or and tam, meaning complete or full. Um, And he explains like Rashi that the urim were the names of God that would light up the letters on the stones and that the tumim were other names that then gave the ability to interpret the message. Okay, so let's give an example. And he gives an example from the very beginning of Sefer Shoftim. We're told immediately in Sefer Shoftim, chapter one, that after Yehoshua died, Yehoshua being someone who had the ability to use the Urim V'tumim or to consult with it and to get answers, the Israelites, they go and they go and inquire of God and they say, who, which tribe of us is going to be the first to go up against the Kna'anim and attack them? And then God responds, Yehudah Ya'aleh. So the Ramban uses this as the example to explain what the Urim and Tumim were. So according to him, the Urim and Tumim refer to different sets of the name of God. The Urim were the names of God that would cause the letters that were on the stones from the 12 names of the 12 sons, of Israel to light up. So when God gave the answer of Yehuda, Ya'aleh, well, Yehuda would light up because that was just one tribe. And then the Yud from one tribe, the Ain from Shimon, etc., would light up. And so all the letters you needed would light up. This is kind of like, um, playing uh, one of those like word games that you find in the back of a newspaper, where you have the words, and you have to figure out what order, they have the letters, and you have to figure out what order they go into. And the tumim refer to a second set of names of God that would then give the the person reading it the ability to interpret the message, the ability to know what order those letters go in, so that the message would then um, be interpretable, which is how Yehudiah then came to make sense, right? So that that was the Urim batumim providing that answer. And so that's, of course, where you get the language of Urim or, um, and then Tumim being the names that give you that, that complete the message, that give you, um, that help you to understand exactly what it's saying. So according to the Ramban, that is what the Urim Batumim are. So I wanted to take a step back for a minute and just appreciate what we have here. What the Ramban's interpretation is offering us is a tool when you have this major question, whether it's about um, an undecided dispute or about someone's fate or an ultimate judgment that is very serious, you have a device which you are able to consult that through the presence of the name of God's holy names is able to give you an answer. Now, that's actually pretty amazing. Um, and that's something that continues, um, as he discusses, past you know, the immediate, the, the time in our history when we had that immediate relationship with God, where we could speak with God directly. This was like a secondary way um, of communicating with God and getting answers from God. I mean, imagine how incredible that would be to have just knowing that when you get, when you reach um, a block, when you you reach a crossroads, and you're just not sure what the answer to something is, you're able to consult and to get that answer. And to round out the appreciation of the Urim, the Tumim, um, I, there's a little scene in Ezra, um, where we see the role, I think, of the Urim V'tumim really um, coming out and it really offers us an opportunity to appreciate fully what role that they played. So in talking about who all returned back to Israel um, in the book of Ezra, it's telling us, well, the sons of all the priests, they came back and they were looking for their genealogical records, but they couldn't be found. So their sons of the priests were trying to restore society, trying to pick up the pieces. They're sons of Kohanim, but they can't find the records, that the proof that they actually were Kohanim. And so the response was, sorry, you can't be Kohanim. And then they were ordered not to eat of the most holy things by Nehemia until what? Until a Kohen with the Urim V'tumim would appear. Ad amod Kohen le Urim V'tumim. And so really what we have is we're trying to rebuild our society. We say, okay, we have Kohanim. We can't totally prove exactly your lineage. So we're going to, you know, we have this liminal moment, this moment of uncertainty. Are you a Kohan or are you not? And how are we going to solve that? We're going to pause and say, for now, you're not. But don't worry, that's just a pause because there will be a Kohan that will come with the Urim Vitumim, right? That we will return to this moment. We will have a moment of certainty again, right? We have uncertainty now, so we're just going to pause. We're going to say no until the device can come that will give us a definitive answer. Now, that Urim Vitumim never arrives. Um, after the First Temple, we don't have it anymore. And so I really f- feel that this is um, a really interesting and frankly, I mean, it's, it's, it's so defining in so many ways, really, of the diaspora, of what it means to make that transition from first the five books of Moses from the Torah itself and then into early um, Navi, when we still have the ability to communicate with God, and then to later when you've got to figure out how to rebuild your society, but how to rebuild your society without anything that is able to give you a definitive answer to the hardest and most challenging and most defining questions that confront you as a people. And to, I think, really appreciate also, um, and I I, I think this is a nice message, especially um, as we are getting ready for Purim, which is the only holiday we have that, Occurs in the diaspora and really celebrates diaspora Jewry. That what it means to live in exile, even if you're in the land of Israel, but you're still no longer have that that special connection to God that defined us in the earliest stages of our people. Really means that we no longer have anyone who is answering those most difficult questions for us, and that we have to assume responsibility for both being able to contend with that uncertainty but also have that profound responsibility to know that it is up to us to answer those difficult questions and that's a that's a, a big burden and a big responsibility to place on community leaders, whether those are judges or nowadays rabbis or what have you, but to appreciate that in some ways they used to have it so much easier because they could go ask somewhere else. But now it's on all of us to turn inward and ask ourselves and have the wherewithal and the the sensibility and the even-handedness and the education and the knowledge and everything in order to make those decisions responsibly and ethically. Shabbat shalom.